I think cities need to work on communities and let communities take care of their people. Don't overstep the communities and then try to take care of the people directly. Government doesn't know what the people need. Too disconnected. Let's talk a little bit about the homelessness and the encampments that are happening, at least in and around Hamilton. I know it's happening in Toronto too. It's happening in a lot of places, right? But uh, it, but we see it a lot in Hamilton, places that we've been working on. I want to touch on a few things that we've seen happening. I think one of the recent things I feel we can address is the encampments that are happening in the Bayfront, in the north end of Hamilton, yeah. right? Where they're going to be building, or they have intentions at least to build those tiny homes yeah. to accommodate some of the people who are setting up encampments there, yeah. right? Okay, so what do you think of that? I think it is a great idea. Now, why I think that is that because I believe that in Canada, you should have the right to do whatever you want. If you want to sleep in a tent, you should have a right. If you want to do drugs, you should have a right. Because I really do believe we live in the best country in the world. Doing it on the Tiffany Lands in the north end of Hamilton is the worst idea. And there, there's a good reason why. Waterloo Kitchener did the same type of HATS program, okay? But they did it a 15-minute walk from the nearest bus stop. They're yeah. in a fenced-off community. There's 50 tiny homes there. You know the worst part about the tiny about these encampments yeah it's not the people that live in the tent what's the worst part the visitors oh that come there and visit the people in tents that's where all the stabbings <laughs> and shootings happen yeah and they try to rob people and they look for all their stolen goods and they're selling drugs you, you seen woodland park the uh, best thing for a drug dealer do laps <laughs> we just do laps that's it it's the easiest thing the best thing you do it out of the city the people that want to be there that actually need housing are actually living in the tent because i truly do believe there are some people that actually need housing and they're living in a tent because they're on t tough luck. They belong 15 minutes away in a farmer's field where they can get a shuttle from, you know, these certain hours and they get a little, you know, storage container type unit. So I do think we're in desperate need of housing. Has anyone or any place that you know of done something like that? Waterloo, Waterloo. Waterloo did that. Yeah, okay. Waterloo. All yeah. right. And it's effective? Great. All right. Great. And the biggest problem is that we don't let visitors in, uh, and we don't we don't okay. we don't force people to live there. I want to talk about something that touches on the homelessness that may get a little sensitive, but I want to first introduce a little bit of my perspective on this and where it's coming from because I feel like I have a very unique perspective on this, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Did I ever tell you that when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Toronto, mm -hmm. and growing up, we had, and it also sound funny, we had a homeless man that was living on our porch. Yeah. Did I ever tell you this? Never. So we had a homeless man that was living on a porch. His name was Clayton. What? Yeah, this was. This was. Listen, this is not funny. This, this is not funny. No, no, no. It's it, listen. I, his name's Clayton. Got his me name though. is Clayton. Okay, and like he, this, this was honestly a very unique experience for me, and I didn't realize that it was unusual until I got to high school. It was only when I got to high school that I'm like, oh, it's apparently weird to have somebody living on your porch. Right? Okay, so here's what happens. So Wait, so I, he actually like lived there? Like you like full time, all the time. He was there. He would go out, have fun, come back, sleep on the porch. He had a sleeping bag there. And you guys were there. just cool. So here's the story, okay? So my parents, we, we, we owned a bar, okay, at some point. A bar and a restaurant. Okay. This guy came from BC, and he was, like, doing some odd and end work. You know, he came from a very wealthy family. Yeah. And uh, he ended up he ended up bar hopping, drinking, and, you know, so he liked my dad. My dad, you know, they, sure. he, they connected, right? Yeah, I probably liked him. Yeah, my dad liked him, right? Yeah. But then at some point, he said, oh, I was, he was out on work, and he's just like, do you have any work? And my uh, dad said, yeah, I'll give you some construction work that I'm doing. That guy. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, he always, likes to, he always likes to help whoever is, you know, down and under and needs a little bit of a hand, right? Yeah. So my dad helps him, gives him some work every now and then, and then he'll go to the bar, drink his money away, come back. He obviously had a problem. And my dad encouraged him, tried to like, you know, get him to seek help or whatever, but he didn't want it. One night he comes to our house because like my dad had him help us with construction there. So he knew where we lived, comes to the house, knocks at the door, be like, I'm just really drunk uh, and I can't make it home. And then he, can I pass out here? And he was, I was like, 
okay, sure. Um, you can come inside. He's like, no, 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 I'm good here. So he falls yeah. asleep on the porch. Happens another night during the week. And then after a few weeks of this, he just started coming more and more frequently. And at some point, he just didn't leave. And I remember one time, like he, I would see, I would see him sleeping on the porch. And when I was coming back in the evening, my mom mm-hmm. would complain about it. And my dad would just put a blanket over him, mm-hmm. right? And he would just sleep on the porch. And eventually, he had his own sleeping bag there. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started to realize that this became a little bit of a permanent thing. Yeah. Now, I don't want this to be taken into weird context, right? My dad was more like, I'm not going to interfere too much. Like he, he, he already restricted him in terms of like coming to the bar and drink, but he didn't want to. They built a connection. He didn't want to let him in to his home with his family. Yeah. But he knew the guy was harmless, so yeah. he didn't mind like just letting him stay there. Yeah. And then that just became normal. And he was happy with that. Clayton he was happy, was with, happy that. with that. My mom used to have conversations with him. He's like, Clayton, listen, why don't you, why don't you try to seek help, or why don't you go to a shelter? Yeah. And he says they don't let you drink in a shelter. Yeah. He says why don't you stop drinking? Yeah, I like to drink stopping drinking is like telling me to stop living and i remember the way he said it and he explained it to me a couple of times too because i would i would, I, I'd, I'd get out there and i'd be on the porch you know waiting for something and then and then like he just make jokes he'd tell me bar jokes i know a ton of mm. bar jokes from clayton from and my clayton. mom learned a few too and it was great right we used to go telling them some of the best jokes i ever learned he would tell me things and i'd ask him questions like you know where's your family why don't you do this why don't you do that and he had very provocative answers that were actually very deep and true to him like without diving into it too much the perspective of somebody who is living like that do not expect yourself as a functioning person in society to be able to understand what they're thinking or what they're going through and if you want to offer help to these people offering them help in a way that you think is correct is not necessarily the way to help them people need to be helped the way they need to be helped not the way you think it's right and if you lack the perspective you won't be able to help them a lot of the people i think at least who are where they are are there because they 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 have certain preferences we have a lot of facilities you know when i went through nursing i saw a lot of the facilities they used to tell us where to tell people to go and there was always rooms available there was a lot of facilities available and people have a million reasons why things aren't good enough for them but they prefer to stay out in the tents this is the thing is that you say you make a statement like this and it it gets taken completely out of context because there are obviously uh people there who are definitely not there by choice yeah this is where the overlap the over the overarching population shadows the rest and then everything kind of gets jarbled having grown up where i did with clinton as somebody who mm. uh, we viewed him as sort of something yeah. like in the family yeah. and then also having gone through nursing and having seen yeah. the safe injection sites having had to volunteer and work in populations that were having trouble i got a lot of interesting close-up perspective and in so i have an opinion as to how people need to be helped mm-hmm. and what they're doing is really more for what they think signals well to the community or to their voters? Because it looks better in their neighborhood. What when, do you mean? When there's not an encampment, and that encampment turns into little tiny homes, it yeah. looks way better but these in the neighborhood. Homes, listen, these tiny homes, I think you can mark my words today. I want to put this, like, I want to say this for the record today. Yeah. These tiny homes are not going to be managed properly. I think they're either going to get destroyed or burnt down, right? They're not going to last. Like, if they're buying, yeah. if they're building what I think they're going to build, which is, like, they're going to buy them from Home Depot or something, those, like, uh... Little ones, right? And I think they're only planning on accommodating like what twenty people or something. Yeah, the 25? Waterloo one only has fifty. Yeah, fifty, and there's a there's a always on staff. There's a worker and a security guard that the city pays for, and, uh, and it costs two million to open it for fifty units. I really question the way that Hamilton is going to operate and manage this because I see tons of things that you know they yeah. don't 
exactly managed that well and I don't and it doesn't oh. inspire a lot of confidence. I really hope they do well with it. But the thing is that the community is very, very seriously against it. And the problem is like what you said, is a lot of the visitors will come by. Yeah. Right? Facilitating things that are not good for the community. Like there's one lady, she was just standing outside, I remember, because they had the meeting. They were at they wanted to voice the concerns of the community. Mm. So they wanted to have that meeting. Three hundred or so people showed up. As one lady was there with a sign saying, My kid plays in the playground, stepped on a needle. Yeah, like... What do you say to her? Yeah. Because we manage investment properties. Yeah. The city that's picking up the garbage... Our workers need to have needle-proof gloves when they're doing garbage. Yeah, that, that's nuts that, we, that, we, that they have to have that kind of precaution. And it's not because the tenants are doing drugs. No. It's because needles get thrown into the garbage bins. This was the crazy yeah. thing to me. When I was doing the nursing and when we were going through the safe injection sites, yeah. this was the crazy thing. We're giving clean needles. The idea behind it is that you're going to reduce the spread of, of bloodborne, yeah. uh, bloodborne infection. The thing is that we're not there all the time to always give them free needles. Yeah. And they still share, right? Yeah. So yes, you are reducing it a percentage. But now they have all these needles <laughs> and they just throw them wherever. It's not like they're going to a sharps container yeah. and throwing it out. So they take them and they walk in front of all these properties. They just throw them in the bins. And then when the garbage time, when the garbage people come to pick up the garbage, they look at the needles and what do they do? I'm not picking them up. They don't pick it up, right? And they just put there and says, yeah, it's not your garbage isn't sorted properly. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it, that's a problem. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. And, and what I'm saying is that I think that there is, and I don't know the percentage. The percentage might be 1%, maybe 5%. I don't know. But I know that there is some people rough on lock living in those tents. Those people need some housing. And since they live in a tent, they get in all this classification of 95% of them are druggies and, and they don't want shelter help and they want to be Clayton, right? They just don't have a porch. Because nobody would. Yeah, nobody, in. nobody, yeah. right? Instead, we'll show, up, we'll show up to the community hall, right? And we'll scream and yell and say, we need to get, get these guys out of here. And we'll move from one park to the next park to the next park the next park and we'll keep on doing the circle over and over mm -hmm. again right because they're not going anywhere winter's coming you know every year we it gets more and more in hamilton and i know when you grew up in toronto and you had clayton living on your porch i never saw a homeless person like that we used to go down jackson square my dad used to take us and that's when we would first see like homeless people mm. like we never see them in the east end of hamilton where i grew up yeah never now every corner every corner made an auto panhandling made an auto and barton panhandling kind of worth it not like now it's a very systemized thing, and it's odd because there seems to be certain locations where it's almost like there's a shift rotation. That's the whole yeah. thing. I don't even understand that. Uh, they must know, like, the good time for traffic. There must be a bad time. Yeah, but, but they, they're organized, obviously. Well, yeah, because they don't want someone probably taking that corner, I would assume. Once I walked in on, you know, Main Auto, which is probably pretty, you know, like, James and King. And started panhandling. J James <laughs> and Main. Like, these are, like, top-notch corners. Yeah. Bay and King. Bay and Main. Yeah. Right? These are good corners. Very good corners. The off-ramps. The 4-3 off-ramp at the West End. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It doesn't seem like, I, I don't know, it doesn't seem like the Wild Wild West like I thought it would be. It seems organized. Yeah, I guess when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, it should be more like the Wild Wild West, but yeah, it does seem organized. Yeah, it does seem like there's an some, understanding. They're, they're punching a clock. Yeah. They're, they're, they're punching a clock. There's some kind of an understanding, yeah, right? It's, it's odd because I see people, it's like one person leaves, another person comes in and they might be holding the same sign. Yep. It's like picking up a shift. It's yeah. weird. But back to the whole thing is that like the way that certain cities uh, try to address certain problems, I feel is very odd. And it's not necessarily what people who need help yeah. are actually seeking. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever asked. I've read a couple of stories on there's one couple that lives in the Woodland Cam in there and they can't go to a shelter because they have dogs, right? They're not taking yeah. the drugs. The dogs just don't take. How many people are like, and again, I don't know, but it seems kind of silly that we don't have a shelter for people that has a dog or, you know, I don't, and again, I don't know. Maybe it's too hard for the shelters to have, you know, a little grassy area for the dog to go pee. I couldn't even make a decision if I'm saying, 
I'm either going to be homeless or live without my dog. No, but it's a hard it's a hard decision. I definitely don't want to be homeless. Again, because of because I've traveled to different places, I feel yeah. like I've seen certain things and I've seen the way people address homelessness and where they address it effectively and where they don't, right? Yeah. And you can see where place where where homelessness is prevented because of certain initiatives, right? Mm. Especially when it comes to community. You know the community thing, well, the thing that they tried to pilot in the north end also was they said, you know, they they put out this pilot for if anybody was willing to adopt one of the homeless people in their neighborhood yeah. by letting them live on their property somewhere. Yeah. And I saw that, I'm just like, this is nuts. Even yeah. though my family's done this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Even yeah. though my family's yeah. done this before, yeah. I know it's nuts to expect the community to want to do this. They're obviously not going to do this because too many things were unclear. At least when Clayton was living with us, we had rules, yeah. right? That he had yeah. to follow. First of all, yeah. no guests, no bringing yeah. people over. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Right? You're not. And he came to you. He asked you. Yeah. He asked you for the porch. Yeah. Instead of like, hey, we're taking away this, this, place where you've been for months and we're just going to place in my backyard because no everybody's sick of seeing you out in public like that there's no way that person is just going to perform well in society no no right and this is but but this is where i feel like the government is overstretching certain things and i feel that there's a lack of community i think if community was fostered more people would care about people what's happening to the people in their community right mm -hmm. and you see this all the time in certain religious communities cultural communities Right. Um, I have a couple of Filipino friends. Right. Yeah. And they approached me and asked if, well, if we're willing to accommodate one of their one of their friends from church. OK. Right. And they and that church community was willing to support them yeah. through extension through me to yeah. get them accommodated. Yeah. No, this looks very good to me. I'm happy to accommodate yeah. this person because he has the support of your group. And there's somebody else for me to call yeah. if there's if anything if there's any problems, right? Yeah. He was an elderly, elderly gentleman, and like technically speaking, if he filled out an application, he definitely wouldn't pass the vetting process. Yeah. But he came with the community. I would definitely get behind that, yeah. right? But this is where when the government starts to overstep, they start to dissolve the people's need for community. Things stop working the way they ought to, right? In Greece, in in Greece where I grew up. You would never see this thing happen. If something, if, if somebody was like that, somebody would come looking for them yeah. because there's a sense of people matter. But the thing is that you can't expect people to matter to just anybody. People matter to specific people. One of the ladies we used to work with, she said she had a brother who would end up on the streets. Mm. She would go out to yeah. find him. Why? It's not like she's looking for some it's, homeless person on the street. He's, she's looking brother. for her brother. Yeah, it's not crazy. That's not crazy. It's not crazy. I think cities need to work on communities and let communities take care of their people don't overstep the communities and then try to take care of the people directly government doesn't know what the people need too disconnected and on top of that yeah they're too disconnected yeah and they will never ask for opinions on how to write a bylaw no that will never be a <laughs> no that will never be a thing no and that would solve a lot of our issues yeah right and the, the new bylaw was that you know tents can't be what there can't be more than five tents in a park that was the new bylaw that they enacted for the to solve this like, they yeah. don't enforce that oh that's always the problem is that there's a there are a like lot you, of laws and so saying that there's five tents in the park the moment that i see gauge park that there's, there's four i can just you know pull up my tent and camp in gauge park yeah and then you know you, i grew up near gauge park we yeah. just get kicked out at 11 o'clock cops are walking through gauge park get out of the park yeah you're not allowed in here there are things that that, that become problematic enforceability always gets overlooked it's like you make a rule you make a law but it seems like nobody thinks about how to actually uphold this right because yeah. let's say you have five tents in the park a six one comes in how do you know who was there first? Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you have like yeah. uh, do you have no, somebody it, there like a gatekeeper? No, it makes it makes zero sense. It makes yeah, absolutely right. Zero and then sense. when there's ten, what do you do? Who, which five are you gonna kick out? Yeah, 
right? Yeah. It's a problem. I think there was something done when it w- with respect to sleeping in parks. Yeah. Where it and if wasn't- Horvath could decriminalize anything, she would just decriminalize everything. She would just go rogue and be like, you know what? Everybody can do everything. Just don't do it in my fucking neighborhood. That's okay. what she would do. There's this interesting thing that I read on like one, one random Facebook post, which, you know, really got me thinking because what they were saying, I, I haven't looked into it enough to to see the extent of yeah. how true this is, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's saying, not the, that's this is the fun part, right? When we don't have to look well, into yeah, it. Well, yeah, I don't know, but but okay. So so basically, the, this one guy was talking about how part of the people who are involved in the organization to do this uh, to do this community um, to to the, the, hats, the, the tiny the hats. House, yeah, the hats, yeah, are apparently some really big time real estate investors they who are own property in like in, in certain areas, yeah. And uh, and there's one guy saying that they're doing this intentionally because they want to devalue the North End. So get this. There's an episode on this uh, TV show that I used to watch. It's called The Boondocks, right? If any of you haven't yeah, heard of it, it's yeah. a really hilarious show. I like how right? we're going to loop this in together. No, no, this no it's important. Cool. It's important. There was this one episode in The Boondocks where there was this, uh, the, the main character is the granddad, right? And the granddad started making this really awesome burger. And the awesome burger was basically putting people into the itis, basically putting people into a food coma, yeah. right? And everybody loved this burger. This banker comes, or this investor comes rather, and he, I think he works for the bank or something. And then he says, "Hey, you know, why don't I help to grow your grow? Why don't we? Why don't I help you open up a restaurant?" Yeah. And uh, after tasting his burger, and he says, "Sure, yeah, okay, let's do it." So he helps him open up this restaurant, and everybody's lining up from the neighborhood to get this burger. Yeah. And then shortly after, you start to notice certain stats in the neighborhood. People started getting itis. People started getting mm-hmm. food comas, and people started getting lazy. People mm-hmm. started getting fat. Mm-hmm. People start started getting unambitious, not willing to go mm-hmm. to work. People started running out of money. The neighborhood yeah. started to go, go down, down to the pits, right? So people uh, start taking care of their lawns. People stopped taking care of their properties. People stopped going to work. Yeah. And then the values of the property started to decline. Yeah. And then this investor went and bought up all the properties around the park. And then after he bought up all the properties around the park, he foreclosed or withdrew his investment from this restaurant and the restaurant was forced to shut down and so some of these guys what they're saying yeah we can't is that they are they are they are trying to piss off the people in the community and devalue the neighborhood because there's a lot of development that's happening in the bayfront right there's a lot of things going up there's a lot of initiatives and you can and if you're and there's a lot of vacant land there's a lot of potential there and think about it if you live anywhere within the vicinity of Toronto and you want to be close to the water, how do you get close to the water? How can you live close to the water without paying an exorbitant amount of money? Living right? hood. The Bay for, yeah. The Bayfront yeah. is one of the last few places that you could actually that that you could reasonably get into. Yeah. Right? And what he and what some of these people are saying is that people is what this group is trying to devalue the neighborhood so that they can buy in more and solidify a foothold in the North End. We need to do some research because I would love to call those people out. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have them on the podcast. I mean, yeah, I would and, love to have them on the podcast. I'd be all like, "What, now, yo? This is brilliant. Did you learn this from the Boondocks?" I can name off a, di- a bunch of different places that I think that are better suited for an encampment than the Tiffany Lands in the North End. Okay, there's lots and lots and lots. Of different spaces in Hamilton. So what you're saying it makes total sense to me because everybody wants to live in the Bayfront area. Having all, all the tents there, I wouldn't want to live there. I wouldn't want to live walking distance to that. Yeah. What actually is going to become challenging is the people who have houses right across from where they're going to put those tiny homes, right? Imagine any of those people want to put their house up for sale. Who's going to buy that? No one's going to buy that. Well, I mean, we might. But like, you know, no, that, the, 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 the Ancaster guy is going to buy it. Oh, yeah, probably. That's yeah, the thing, right? Yeah, he'll buy it. Yeah, maybe that's the plan, right? <laughs> 
Maybe there's some land assembly going on that we don't know about. We got to dig in deeper into that because I would love to love to bust that wide open because it makes total sense. Why would people in Ancaster care? I remember when there were some uh, where there were some people in the Bayfront protesting against uh, the city allowing uh, some of these encampments to continue. There were people who came from Ancaster and protesting the other protesters to allow this to happen. And they don't live there. Yeah. Right. And but that's classic. I think that's one of the things that we always see happen. And it's just like the whole not in my backyard thing. Right. Yeah. I do know someone that drives a school bus and we could charter the school bus to take all the encampment, take a small encampment and bring it up, you know, to Ancaster. <laughs> and we could start that. Right. Because that's not fair. Let the politicians and the community fight. Right, that's what should happen. A discussion should happen to take place, and it shouldn't be from you know I live in Ward Three, you live in Ward Four. They're in Ward Four, so I'm showing up. You know, that, yeah, that's it. Should it, that, sh- it should be localized. This is the whole thing about communities, yeah, right? That I'm talking yeah. about. You know, uh, one of my friends works in Ottawa, and yeah. he says that uh, there are flyers that talk about the benefits of being in Hamilton, but they're geared towards people who are down on their luck who are homeless or borderline homeless and they're talking about the facilities and yeah. they will he says and honestly like i almost don't believe this except i trust this guy but he says that they will bust them over to hamilton because of the facilities yeah hamilton's always been a big city on with welfare and odsp because we do have big offices and this is i think pre-covid is that you just be able to walk in yeah. you could just walk in and talk to a social worker and they get you whatever assistance you need or you'll see what, depending on the situation and that's why everybody wanted come to Hamilton, right? And we were close to Toronto and you can get a cheap train to Toronto, right? Because again, when I grew up, there's no homeless people in it. Like there were, there was, it just wasn't even close to being what it is today, right? And that's just 10 years, you know, 15 years ago, which is a crazy leap. And then if you see in Toronto, is Toronto worse or is it way worse? Well, I mean, it, it depends, right? There's there's obviously way more. What I think is a difference when, it, when you look at Toronto and when you look at a place like Hamilton is strictly a visual difference. So in Toronto, there's a lot arguably better transit system mm. than uh, Hamilton, for example. And there's people walking around, people who are going to work yeah. walking around and it actually masks the it's the busier, it's yeah, busier yeah yeah everybody busy. in hamilton if you're working chances are you're driving most of the people yeah. who are working are driving actually. yeah I, actually that's what it looks like anyway because there's not a lot of people walking around in hamilton who look like they're walking to work yeah unless right? we're, yeah unless we're and downtown, then the only downtown. person that you see is somebody who's having a really good time on whatever is banging around right now yeah right that's yeah like, and he's not at work no he's not, <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's not, not at work, work right you know he's not at work so and and that's and that's the difference i think i think it's just a matter of what is more visually apparent mm. right so but in terms of what's more I, I actually have not looked into it uh to i haven't looked into the stats for this in terms of like what's mm-hmm. more per capita or anything like that but what i what i do know is what we see anecdotally here where we're working yeah. and where we live the reason why i'm actually also a little bit skeptical about uh the the way certain problems are approached is uh because of our experience with the city before when we wanted to help solve a problem we remember when the pandemic first happened and we approached one of the counselors to see whether or not they would agree to work with us yeah. to accommodate 35 people yeah. who were homeless yeah. and instead of trying to put them up in the freaking hilton yeah. Right. Because what they were paying exorbitant yeah. amounts yeah. to accommodate yeah. these people, and we had buildings that we were able to help facilitate them. Yeah. And we went to a community group. We went. We, we partnered with a community group. Yeah. We partnered with one of the one of the church leaders who yeah. was going to bring part of their community in. We had our private industry, and we were going to work with the city yeah. to accommodate thirty five people who were homeless. Yeah. And the city didn't want to yeah, work with us. No, super frustrating. Super yeah, frustrating. and the thing is that why didn't they want to work with us? Now I have some theories that I don't necessarily want to spin, but 
the fact that they weren't even willing to table the discussion told me that they weren't terribly interested in making this happen. Yeah, they already made up their mind, I think, of, of what they want to happen. Their budget is not, is not going to go to that. Yeah, We're but, not spending money on that. But that is the problem. They skip people trying to help people. They're just like, no, we'll help people directly. Yeah. They just can't help people directly. Yeah. The only help that they can ever do is give money or take money. Yeah. And that obviously like uh, that's obviously like a swinging ball if you've ever if you ever seen one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're on the other side of that. Our property tax is going to go up crazy. Our water our water charges are going up crazy. Twenty percent they're talking. So we're just you know we're on that pendulum swing of yeah. That's the city we live in. We don't want to fix the fix the problem. Treasury with more money. 